This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. This is a special edition. I am not prepared. I have no questions. I am just devastated and heartbroken by what I saw in Israel, and I'm so happy that my good friend Avi Kaner, who's been on the Miller Report before, is going to join us today with his wonderful wife, Liz Kaner. I believe they were just in Israel. Avi is born in Israel, and we're going to hear firsthand from them what they see, what is going on, and welcome, Avi and Liz. First of all, where are you right now? Uh, So right now, we're in Greece. Uh, We just got here um, after being in Israel. We landed in Israel uh, on Saturday, late Saturday, uh, when we took off from New York. Um, it was before uh, the hostilities started, and then we landed into a war zone, and we spent time in Israel. And we could talk about we could talk about that uh, while we're here in Greece now. Our heart, our hearts are still in Israel along with and we'll stay there and we'll say that along with the entire people of israel the entire jewish community of the world and i would say the vast majority of the people uh internationally um are really touched and concerned with what's going on so just to backtrack when you got on the plane you had no idea what was going on and when you landed you ended up in a war zone is that what you're telling us absolutely absolutely so about 40 minutes before we landed uh the pilot the pilot got on the pa it was about uh three o'clock three four o'clock in the afternoon and the pilot said he's been on the phone with uh united airlines and they've been in touch with the state department and israeli officials and they've made the decision to land the plane in israel so, so we were like what like what what's going on this and- is before we even could could text or we didn't have any you're on the plane what were you doing in Israel? Visiting family? So uh, that's a great question. Um, we planned this a while ago. We were planning on spending a week in Israel doing some remarkable things. Uh, the primary thing we were doing, we were on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, my birthday, in fact. Happy birthday. Uh, we were dedicating a Torah scroll to the oh. Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum. This is a Torah scroll that my grandfather smuggled in uh, during the Holocaust. And we had over a hundred people uh, planning to attend, uh, but we were going for a week. We had many things planned. In fact, when we landed, we already we we'd gone on StubHub of all places and bought tickets to the Bruno Mars concert. We were going to go straight from the airport, just drop our bags off, and go to the Bruno Mars concert. Um, and instead, everything changed. Um, uh, Liz can describe what we what happened at the airport when we got there. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Liz. When we got to the airport, there was definitely chaos. There was people crying. Um, we went outside to try to get a taxi, and usually there is absolutely no line. This line probably looked like it was about two hours, and taxis were few and far between. Luckily, um, Avi has many relatives, Mishbacha and Israel. So Oded and Natalie picked us up. They could fit our ridiculous luggage in the car, and we went straight to the hotel. The normally vibrant, um, exciting, colorful Tel Aviv was black and like a ghost town. Um, It was eerie. We went to the hotel. 
And then it was kind of a study in contrast because inside the hotel, there were many people. Um, that's not the case now. I'm sure they all left, but there were many American families with school-age kids spending the Jewish holidays. There were couples who were visiting or families visiting their children on uh, gap year programs. And we checked in, quickly went to our room, and there was the siren went off, and we went straight into the bomb shelter. Now, now we did not even know what a bomb shelter looks like. Um, it turns out that in Israel, just about every single building has a bomb shelter, and they don't necessarily have signs that say bomb shelter. So in our hotel, it's a new hotel in Tel Aviv. About what hotel? What's the name of it? Oh, the Kempinski. Um, it's a brand new hotel, magnificent. So 30, 30 floors, every single floor has a bomb shelter. Uh, but normally there's no sign outside that says bomb shelter. It's the room that's used to store the extra extra towels and, and sheets and stuff, blankets. So now they actually scotch taped signs saying bomb shelter. And four times, four or five times, if Liz wants to describe what happened. Um, well, I just wanted to say that, you know, we were in this shelter with um, our relatives and another couple, and she just looked pale as a ghost. And it turns out a lovely couple from Toronto, the, she had been to Israel many years ago, and at a hair salon, there had been a terrorist who came in with a gun. So... I, I could just see the look of fear on her face. And Avi's cousin, an Israeli, was really trying to calm her down and was successful. Um, but another thing that I want to say is there were um, bomb shelters every so close to where we were, every stairway, every uh, hallway. But then, and we're pretty north of where this was, but imagine if we're south, um, it's... It, the time frame to get into a shelter before the rocket hits is is very, very short. Then we were outside on a deck, and we actually saw the rockets being launched. You hear okay. you hear the hiss of the rockets, and then a few seconds later, boom, boom! You hear the you know um, them being detonated. And I have spent a lot of time um, lobbying politicians on behalf of APAC to help support uh, the United States, I'm sorry, to help the U.S.-Israel relationship and help them financially. And I could really see the fruits of my labor. We'll get into that in a minute. So I just want to go through the chronological thing of what happened. How did you get out? Because I understand people are trying to are waiting in lines right now for hours at the Tel Aviv airport trying to get out. How did you get out? So, so first of all, uh, let me discuss the idea of getting out. Uh, when you're there, so we landed in a war zone um, you know, the first notion is, oh, I've got to get out. I've got to get out my family. Uh, but then you realize, wait a second, there are 10 million people who live in this country and 8 million fellow Jewish people. They a can't get out and B, they don't want to get out. They're there defending their country. And we decided not to stay at the airport and try to get out. Like, you know, there are thousands of people trying to get out. Said, so, no, we're going to go to the hotel and we're going to, we're going to live through this. Um, and it was one of the best decisions we've ever made because now we understand it because we've been part of it. 
And when we did end up getting out, um, we had such mixed feelings about getting out. We felt guilty about getting out. And the reason we got out is because we were basically in lockdown at the hotel. In other words, you know, we did go outside on the boulevard a couple of times, but we had to quickly go back in. Uh, so we were in the hotel and we were more of a burden uh, than than anything else. And um, we also have our daughters getting getting married in, in a week and a half. And we um, we made the decision to get out and and continue try supporting Israel while while we're away. Um, the way we got out is we uh, we made many reservations. Um, and, and we were going to go anywhere, literally Cyprus, Rome, Istanbul. Yeah, every single flight got canceled. So you couldn't get out. So we, we ended up going. Uh, we have a friend who chartered a flight out. And, and you're in Greece right now. We're in an island called Paros. Paros, very nice. And it turns out we have to be in Greece anyway. We have a business meeting. The second, first part of the trip was Israel, Yad Vashem. Second part of the trip happened to be in Greece anyway for the business trip. That's a food trip with Christides? Yes. Yes, a food trip. Hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny. John, John Katzmatidis, uh, the owner of Christides, and I are colleagues, although we're we're competitors, but we own a supermarket chain. We own Morton Williams. Um, John and I are friends, and we support each other. And friendship and safety comes before everything else. And John reached out to me, texted me, uh, checked up on me. Um, when he found out that we were in Greece, he said, anything you need, you let me know. I know. I contacted him, and he wanted to be here today. He's not feeling well, but he's been a fantastic friend of the Jews. And this is his radio station that we're doing this on. And thank you, John. So thank you, John. Really appreciate it. Suzanne, I want to add something. Um, when we were with Avi's cousins, um, Oded is in the volunteer police force. So for men who, and probably women, who are beyond the age of being a reserve, they help um, by being in the police force. And as we were there that night, he was receiving texts. They, they needed him, especially because he has a Jeep. And he, in a few hours from, uh, from leaving us, was going to go to, the to where the South was um, to recover. To recover bodies. And he knew he knew he was getting texts with photos um, that have never been made public in the media. He was getting photos. He of, would not share them. Then. He would not share them, of course. Uh, photos of dead bodies strewn all over the place. And he was going with his Jeep um, to go help recover these bodies. And uh, we just found out today that there was like one one little kibbutz. Uh, near the near Gaza, kibbutz founded in 1951 by Egyptian and Moroccan immigrants. If you can imagine that, 70 Hamas terrorists, savages, went in. Imagine 70 of them. They went door to door, every house. They shot or stabbed or bu butchered every man, woman, and child they saw, including babies in their cribs. And so far, they've recovered 40 babies who were in their cribs. Uh, absolute savages. And, and um, you know, there are people who say, oh, you know, we should have a ceasefire. You know, the United Nations, uh, the Arab League is meeting uh, soon. They're going to say, oh, let's do ceasefire. We can't have violence, et cetera. 
Um, that is not the case here. There cannot be a ceasefire. Imagine telling the United States after 9-11, oh, you should do a ceasefire with al-Qaeda, right? Well, just so for me, this is obviously hitting a big nerve because my parents are Holocaust survivors, as you know. And um, this reminds me of the day my mom said that she was in Vilnius, which to me is similar to New York because there were more Jewish people in Poland than just, just as like Tel Aviv and as, as, as New York City. And they literally went door to door and they grabbed them out of their homes and they put them in camps and they killed people and... I don't know how this is any different, and I don't. I know you're in Greece right now, but if you're watching the news today on 46th Street, they're beating up Jews that are wearing yarmulkes, and and the and the demonstrations that are going on in New York City. This is our city. We made this city. We're we're life bred New Yorkers, and we're here to stay. And Avi, I just find it very odd that you and I had you were on the Miller Report uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and we talked about the Abraham Records, and we talked about all of this, and who would predict this would happen? Now, because I know that you are involved in politics, how, how do you think this is? Uh, what do you think happened? Do you think it's a Russia thing? Do you think it's because they didn't want the peace? What what do you what what is from your perspective? Why did this happen? Uh, this is clearly. An Iran thing. Mm -hmm. Iran saw that Israel and Saudi Arabia were about to announce the normalization of relations. And this was all Iran's doing. Part of normalizing relations with Saudi Arabia included a defense pact with the United States, with Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Iran does not want that. It included a civilian nuclear program for Saudi Arabia. Iran did not want that. And the way to stop it um, was uh, was to let to let loose one of their proxies, which in this case is Hamas, and and now they're threatening to do the same thing from the north with Hezbollah. Yeah, so the bullseye is clearly on on Iran. So, in your opinion, being an Israeli, do you think we have the strength to fight both Hezbollah and Hamas? Uh, the, the answer is yes. Um, you know, we do, we do have the strength, um, you know, there, there, there have already been a lot of casualties and if Hezbollah joins the fray, there will be even more casualties. Uh, but I can assure you, um, Hezbollah and, and unfortunately the Lebanese will suffer a tenfold, um, number of casualties, if not more. And, uh, Lebanon's infrastructure will be decimated. And I, I really feel really bad for the Lebanese because I know Lebanese. I'm friends with the Lebanese, but Hezbollah is a cancer that has infiltrated their country for decades already. And, and if Hezbollah attacks Israel, um, just like with Hamas, there will never be a ceasefire anymore because th those days are over and it'll be a war till they're, there's no more, no more Hezbollah, no more Hamas. The Lebanese government can once again govern Lebanon and the Palestinian Authority uh, can go in and govern, uh, can govern Gaza. So a tough question, and obviously everybody's thinking the same thing, the hostages. Do you think that we should give in and do a deal to get them back or keep leveling? A tough question. You know, that's a tough question. I know. And there's, uh, there's, no, there's no right answer uh, but I can tell you that uh, an example, the United States just gave Iran $6 billion We're to, re to reduce a handful of five hostages, five hostages $6, billion, $6 billion. And now you're talking about a hundred, at least uh, maybe 130 hostages. Um, 
you know, which is priceless. I mean, every life is priceless. So it's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, but I could tell you that appeasement never works. Power works. Power works. Uh, they try to appease Nazi Germany, and, and it was a catastrophe. Iran is not another Nazi Germany. They cannot be appeased. They have to be taken out and replaced with a responsible government. So right now we have the world on our side. You saw Germany was one of the first ones, which was fantastic to raise the Israeli flag, Italy. Everybody is, is, is the international world is behind us. How do we keep that sentiment? As soon as they start seeing the casualties, we're going to lose that. And, I, and that's probably the biggest issue right now is to keep the world um, positive about Israel. We have to remind them that this Hamas is a terrorist organization. It is it, with the aim of destroying Israel. It is not. We're not against a, a civilians. Um, but uh, Liz is right. Um, but you're right. Once they start, it, you know, they they love putting out photos of of dead babies and and and, and you know, and then blame blaming it on Israel. Um, I could tell you what's different now is that Israel doesn't care about sentiment anymore. Sentiment is now the least of its priorities. Number one in its priority list is to decimate and eliminate Hamas so that not even one Hamas terrorist is around. Even if world opinion turns against Israel, it doesn't matter. Well, you're in, you're in Greece and I'm in New York City and I'm here to tell everybody and anybody that's listening and I plan on going viral with this interview every which way we can. And as an American Jew, as a child of the Holocaust, I don't feel safe being an American Jew if Israel is not strong. And I think for all those Jewish people that are listening, this is a message to everybody. We must stand together. We must stand with Israel. And by the way, war is going to affect everybody. If there's war, in, it's not just the Jewish people. Plenty of Christians and Muslims were killed during World War II. And I don't see much difference between the Holocaust and knocking on my parents' door to leave their house and their family as th that's just happened in, in the Gaza. So I, I, I want to do everything we can. And um, again, thank you, John, for letting us do this at WABC. And anything we can do, any money that we could raise, send us wherever you think will be the best spent, the best way, the best way to get people involved. I'm here on the ground. I think I have an answer to that. And we, through our supermarket, um, we, we made a sizable donation yesterday. And I encourage everyone who can has the means to do so. Um, it's to the equivalent of the Israeli Red Cross. It's called Magain David Adom. You can't it's, it's, send us that? Well, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll post that. Google, you Google Israeli okay. Red Cross. Okay. Get it. Magain David Adom. Okay. And... Um, and they have a link. You can use a credit card and they need it. Israelis, have, this is what's interesting. Hamas has succeeded in doing one thing, which is unifying the people of Israel. It doesn't matter if you're religious or secular. Um, right or left. Right or left. Pro-judicial reform, anti-judicial reform, a liberal, a right, if someone on the right, it doesn't matter. Everyone is so united, Suzanne. I hope this I hope this happens to the United States. And another alarming issue is that we have 100,000 migrants that came to New York that have not been checked. We don't know where they came from, and they could be doing sales right now in New York. And this is cautionary, and this is what keeps me up at night. So I hope that we also can be united. It's not about politics. It's about united, uniting the United States, uniting Israel safety. So thank you, Liz. Thank you, Avi. 
And anything I could do, I'm here and be safe. And when are you home? Um, we're home after our after the um, the food industry. Okay. I think we will be home before the wedding. Enjoy Padas, and thank you again for coming on the Miller Report. Bye. Hey, thank you, Suzanne. All the best. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye.